At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I am tempted by way of our Monday Night Football preview to make some outlandish proclamation like if the Bengals win, I'll get Ryan Finley's initials tattooed on my arm. I'm not that crazy, though. I don't want to spend the next five hours worried that lightning could strike because it struck yesterday for the Jets. So watch the game tonight. You never know what will happen. Enjoy your day. See you tomorrow. I am so glad. We were so close. So last close. 30 seconds of PFTPM, I didn't give in to that devil on one shoulder that was saying, go ahead, have some fun. Life is short. Make a, I, I mean, I had things ricocheting through my brain like I'll shave my head <laughs> and then I settled on the tattoo. I would have loved that. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm afraid if I shave my head, it won't grow back. That's my it's big gonna. fear. It's going to. Don't you um, worry there, Chia so, Pet. It will. I could tell. It's going to go right back. <laughs> oh, wait, okay? a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. We have the photo of the PFTPM daily lineup where you are Mr. Chia Pet. You are the original Chia Pet model, so don't give me the Chia Pet thing. All right. But, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I'm not going to claim that I had some sort of foreboding or gut feeling, but the Steelers have played poorly. And for the Bengals, we've talked about this dynamic in the past. Texans on Thanksgiving. This is it. This is their Super Bowl. This yes. is their playoff game. This is the last time anybody is going to give a crap about the Bengals until 2021 September. So go out and shoot your shot and play your game and hope for the best. And it worked. The Steelers stink. The Bengals pull it together for one night. And now things are extremely interesting, Ooh, man. Chris. In the AFC North, by the way, good morning. It's PFT Live on Peacock, Sirius XM 211, NBCSN, Sky Sports, NFL, 7 p.m. prime time for our friends in the UK and Ireland podcast, whenever, wherever, however. Good morning, Chris. It was a hell of a game. I was entertained. I was too. Uh, that's all I'm looking for. I just want to be entertained when I watch a football game and I was entertained. Well, you're, you're entertained, especially when you just think that one team is going to, you know, control the other team throughout and then the game starts and you go, whoa. This doesn't look like the, like what I expected. And then as it continues to play, the team that you thought was going to be dominant is was really getting dominated in a lot of areas and certainly couldn't get anything going or like what we expected to see. Steelers are reeling right now. I, I mean, there's no other way to say it, obviously. Playing bad football, yes, teams have figured out how to play against them in general. I don't think we've ever seen Big Ben go through a funk the way in which he is going through here the last few weeks. I mean, the first half of the game last night, not, not only the interceptions and everything, the interception and everything like that, but just the, the missed receivers and some of the replays and things like that. The Juju Smith-Schuster fumble, Chase Claypool is running behind him uncovered. No, nobody there. It, it's just that right now where you're not used to seeing the Steelers defense kind of get bullied a little bit. And then, of course, Big Ben and the offense are just totally off kilter. And more than one or two hospital balls thrown by Ben last Ooh. night. Eric Ebron got injured. Juju Smith-Schuster got blown up on that one play, although he did get three steps down. He did complete the active catching the pass. And there was a question about whether or not there was an illegal hit on defenseless receiver. The way the NFL has explained it in the past, if you've had the ball long enough for it to be a catch, 
it's you're no longer defenseless and you can be hit the way he was hit. There was yes. a question though in my mind was there a lowering the helmet foul right. that was just never discussed. The hit was so violent and the controversy over whether or not there was a fumble, that kind of took over any other questions about whether the hit was illegal, but it was a huge hit. We'll be talking about that coming up. And you know, Chris, I, I want to go to the very beginning. Look yeah. at the end of the first quarter. What was the score? It was 3 nothing. Why? Because the Bengals took a field goal instead of being quote-unquote aggressive. Oh. Take your points while you can. Right. Right? Yes. We had this conversation yesterday. This is not the Chiefs. You, you're, you have no mandate to score touchdowns. Just start the process. And right. it can start very simply with three points on the board. And then the next thing you know, it's 10. And then the next thing you know, it's 17. And uh, – and, and look, it, it wasn't over. I thought the Steelers were going to come back and win the game. i got to give the Bengals credit for playing the full 60 minutes, yeah. never giving up, with nothing to play for other than pride. And sometimes pride is just enough, especially if you throw on top of it a little dash of, yes, we don't like it, Juju, that you come out and dance on our logo. It's a simple concept. We talked about it last I week. I know. And you kind of took Juju's sh- side I did. of it. I did. Uh, look, why give the other team anything that they can point to as extra motivation. And Von Bell said during the week, we've got to deal with it between the lines. We've got to knock him down when he has the ball. And they did. Von Bell, the guy who said it, is the guy who gave the TikTok stars, the yeah. Bengals account called right. it, the big hit. Right. I, I mean, one, okay, I, I love it. All of it. I love that he danced on the damn emblem again. And I love that it pisses the Bengals off. It just makes for better TV. So, you know, I'm not that disappointed about it. I'm hoping he yeah, goes Steelers out. Fans, Steelers fans have to be no, over it. No, they have to be over it. I would think the team itself is going to be over it too. Now, there's just been too much light shed on it now to where it's become a thing. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Everybody was waiting for it. I was waiting for it last night, watching the pregame show, just sitting there going, is he going to do it again? I think he will. I think he's going to do it one more week because they're going to feel like they're going to beat the Bengals and he's going to go, oh, I've been doing it all year and blah, blah, blah. That's kind of been their defense. But, I, I mean, I'm with you, Mike. It's gotten to the point now where it is a thing, and I'll tell you else where it's a thing. After he got hit and fumbled, he is, I, re, I rewound this when I was you know watching on TV, of course. Uh, he was sitting there talking to James Washington, and I swear he was going, I bet you they're going to blame my fumble on the dance. He said something dance, but either way, it's become a distraction. It's become a thing. And teams are, you know, out for him because of it. And you're right. You don't you don't need it. So he's going to have to reevaluate his next dance for next week. Well, and Matt Casey, who from time to time plays the role of Cyrano de Bergerac, has planted an idea in my brain what? that is a good one. And I'm going to steal it, but give him appropriate credit. It allowed the Bengals to do to the Steelers what the Steelers always do to the Bengals. Be more physical. Yeah. Have that extra right. motivation, that edge, that in your face, we're going to come get you. See, wherever you get it from, you get it. And Juju gave it to the Bengals, and he gave it to the Bills. It wasn't as big of a deal in the Buffalo game because we kind of expected the Bills to win the game based upon the trajectory the Bills have been on and the trajectory the Steelers had started on. We didn't expect this. It's easier to point to this one and say the Steelers are clearly the better team. But you throw that extra little bit of something on the Bengals, and the Bengals come out and do to the Steelers what the Steelers do to the Bengals – that is all the more reason for Mike Tomlin to go to Juju Smith-Schuster and say, stop it. Just stop it. And, yeah, I can't wait to see if the Steelers lose this week to the Colts, if the Browns beat the Jets, if Week 17 is for all the AFC North marbles and they're playing in Cleveland on Sunday night football Whoa. because that would surely be the game the NFL chooses to move to primetime because it's the AFC North championship. Is Juju going to dance on the logo in Cleveland? I don't think he will, Chris. I don't think he will either. I I think with the way their team is playing and the spotlight being on them in this situation and, you know, the teams are tweeting about it, players are making comments all week, that that it'll go away. Or at least that he'll dance somewhere else, at least, at at the very least. I think that's what happens. But, hey – the, the Steelers got... I, you know, and I thought the same thing, like, he'll do it in the locker room, or do it in the parking lot, do it... But, but what, what's the... what? Yeah, I, I don't know. You're right, there is I mean, no am point. Am I missing something? Are we just old men yelling at clouds? What's the point? No, the point is we live in a world where a lot of people live for their social media following and likes and all that crap. So that's the point. And that's where he's become, you know, 
second famous as compared to his first famous job is you know in football but he's he's a social media star I mean that's what he has done you know it's really where he's carved a name for himself and like the people who don't pay attention like real closely to football a lot of them know Juju just through you know TikTok videos and everything like that him playing online Fortnite and doing that it's part of kind of his brand so that's why he does it but it needs to end because it's affecting the bigger brand, which is the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they just don't need it right now because they got enough issues. They're not playing good football on either side of the ball. You know, like you said, there's the Bengals, and you're going, oh, Pittsburgh's going to come back. Pittsburgh's going to come back. Oh, Pittsburgh goes down and scores a touchdown. Didn't you think when it was 17-10, you were like, here come the Steelers. That's There's it. no there way. Goes. It was fun while it lasted. It and was fun how, while it lasted. Right, it was fun while it lasted. Right, but they're going to go. They're going to stop, and they're going to score another touchdown, and you're going, okay, it's going to be a game, whatever. But then the Steelers' defense breaks and lets the Bengals drive down the field and Ryan Finley makes a few nice runs and they run the ball and do all of that to where that was disappointing too. In a moment where the defense had to rise up, they let the team down too. So they are being affected on both sides of the football right now and just the inability to make plays and, and dominate the way we kind of saw them dominate the first 10, 11 weeks of the year. Mike Tomlin has been very entertaining in his press conferences this year. Not that he intends to be. Let's have a listen at what he had to say after last night's 27-17 loss. We're not a good football group right now. And, um, and so uh, we understand the consequences that come with that. We're working on a short week. we got to be better than what we've been. And, um, and that's just the reality of it. What's your sense uh, regarding your team's confidence level? And uh, are you concerned it's getting a little fragile? <laughs> Should we better not be confident after after a performance like that? No, he's right about that. But he did add that he believes that they can fix it. For all of the negativity that resonated through his comments last night, he believes they can fix it. I don't know that anyone else believes they can fix it. And it's funny, Chris, when they barely beat the Ravens, he was upset, very upset. Right. That was the us-sucking press conference video then when they lost to Washington and we had this conversation two weeks ago he actually seemed to me to be relieved by what had transpired it took the pressure off of a team that had been 11 and 0 last night he's resigned to the fact that right now they are not good enough they are limping into the final two weeks of the season they have a short week now to get ready for the Colts who are 10 and 4 and trying to nail down their playoff berth, potentially win their division. This is not going to be an easy one on Sunday for Definitely the Steelers. Not. And it does set up drama in week 17. And sorry, Steelers fans. Yeah, I want the Colts to win because I want that week 17. Browns at Steelers for all the marbles in the AFC North. Who wouldn't want that? Well, of course. And Mike, let me let me ask you this, because I'm trying to figure this out on the fly. But if, like, the Steelers lost to the, the, the Colts this weekend, which right now, you're right, it's looking like they probably will. Then, okay, Cleveland for the big showdown in Week 17. Is there a chance? There's a chance they could end up playing each other the very next week in the 4-5 matchup, I believe, and play each other two weeks in a row. It could really unfold that way to where we get some great drama in the AFC North there. Uh, I don't know what the tiebreaker would be with the Colts if they were tied with one of those teams, but no, they wouldn't be. Yeah, so, uh, so I mean, yeah, that would be that would be interesting. That would be good drama. Cleveland, way. Cleveland beat the Titans and Cleveland beat the Colts. So if the Browns had the same record as the AFC They'll be South up there. champion, the Browns would be the three seed. They'd be the three seed. The question is, That's right. will the They'll Steelers be, the be five seed. or six? That's it. There's still a chance. I mean, yeah, if, they if could the Steelers. Be, you're right. If this, yeah, they this it could it could end up four five three six one of those two that could be the matchup. That's it what it is. It could be three weeks. six. It could be yeah. that. That would that would be interesting. Sorry to get you off uh, topic there. I'm no, it's okay. And it would be the two teams in the same stadium in consecutive weeks. And I think we've seen that before. Not a lot of times, but we've seen that repeat of week seventeen into the wild card round. But it would be something if these two teams got together in the playoffs. And as Browns fans know all too well, 38-32 was the score in 2002 in the postseason. The only time this iteration of the Browns franchise made it to the playoffs, they went to the Steelers. And Kelly Holcomb was the star that day for Pittsburgh as they took down the Browns in Pittsburgh. Maybe they get a rematch in Cleveland. That would be a great way oh, for Browns fans be to start this revival right. and to get things not and you can't even call it a revival because they've never there this goes back to 86 87 type stuff for browns fans and that team is now the ravens i'm sorry folks that's just the truth but this is an awesome time for the cleveland browns and you see the steelers fading 
yeah, they could fade right out of the division title and right into that six spot, and the Browns could end up in the three spot. Um, if you had a bet and, right and, now, and, what would you bet? I mean, I, I mean, it, to me, I, I, th there's a lot to be done here as far as them, you know, well, stopping the the fading. I, I, I'm I'm concerned with them, like legit. Now, how can you not be? You know, it's three weeks in a row where you know you, we haven't seen the defense really make any game changing plays. Like the no Bud Dupree, no Devin Bush is, you know, the backup to Devin Bush, Spillane, he's hurt. We're starting to see the effects of like no playmaking there, right, Mike? Teams have realized too, with the fact that the Steelers' offense isn't that good, that, hey, we can play really conservative on our, on our offensive side of the ball. You know, you, you, you think about teams as you watch film in the Steelers all year. The first few weeks of the year, you just go, hey, we're going to run our offense, you're going to run our offense. And then five or six games go by and you get film on them and you start to break them down. And you got to play them and you go, whoa, we got to like we got to bring it back a little bit. We can't run our normal D offense or they're going to cause turnovers and get short fields and leave their offense in all these good spots. So teams have realized, hey, we could play conservative and not let their defense win the game and set their offense up because, hey, their offense struggles. So we can get in one of these like tough defensive battles with the Steelers and feel pretty comfortable about it. And we're seeing teams are kind of beating them at their own game really here as of late, playing defensive, low-scoring football and, and finding ways to beat them. And they're just caught in this quicksand that they can't get Man. out of. I, I remember saying after, because it was the Browns who came to town and it was a blowout win over Cleveland, I had picked the Browns to win. And then when the Bengals and Joe Burrow, back when he was playing and he was healthy, came to town, I picked the Bengals to beat the Steelers. And after that one, I resolved to never pick against the Steelers again at least until they lost. I'm not sure I said that at the time, but I reserved the right to adopt that. And I'm not picking them to win until they show me that they can win. And and this is, look, hey, th this is the perfect opportunity for them to dig deep. Maybe when you start 11-0, and you need to be hit in the mouth three different times before you dig deep. I just don't know that Will alone is going to be enough when you look at the quality of the team right now, especially the questions about Ben Roethlisberger. Let's hear from him. Yeah. Us on the tail end, Mike Tomlin, talking about whether and to what extent Big Ben currently is injured. Here they are. I would say that the, I'm not consistent enough, um, which affects the offense because the ball's in my hand every play. And what is the level of uh, frustration and concern right now as you, as you head in the last two weeks? Hi. Do you right now, in the month of December, truly feel 100% in your arm? Um, well, I don't think anybody uh, that plays this game uh, in, at any level, um, you know, at any position, I should say, uh, whether it's week one or week 16, feels 100%. So, uh, no, I would say that I don't feel 100%, but um, nobody does right now. Your evaluation just of Ben's performance, uh, he, he keeps missing. Is it an injury? What's happening with him right now? No, it's not injury related. It just wasn't good enough, like like all of us, me included. You know, we we got to be better. There's a vague sense out there that Ben has some sort of a knee injury. There was a report from CBS Sports nine days ago that the Steelers are seriously concerned about Roethlisberger's knee, that it's an issue in practice and games. He hasn't been on the injury report for the last two weeks, though, with anything other than getting his usual Wednesday off right. for not injury-related reasons. And then he says he's not 100%, and no one is. Well, okay, no one's 100%, but the question is, if you're getting any type of treatment for an injury, you end up on the injury report. That's the way it works. They have records of that, and that's how the Jets got into trouble back in 2009 because Brett Favre kept talking about why he stunk down the stretch in 2008 after right. they were 8-3 and three and on track to be the one seed. Well, we had the partially torn biceps tendon. He was getting treatment for it. And the Jets got whacked. Eric Mangini got whacked. Mike Tannenbaum got whacked, all because Brett Favre was talking about it. So presumably there's nothing that Ben is being treated for. So, yeah, you're not 100%. You're banged up. You're sore. But that's different from being injured, Chris. Right. And they're claiming he's not injured, and there's a sense out there that he is. Well, I mean, you know, I, I'm going to take his word for it. I'm going to just go by what I see on the football field. I mean, we saw him move around and scramble a little last night. You know, is he 100% there? You know, I don't know. But it's not so much where it's like, I don't know, popping out to you or me who are obsessed with football. We both are. We watch it all the time. I don't look at him go right now and go, oh, there's something not right, or his throwing motion doesn't look normal, or the ball is not popping out of his hands. Listen, it's a systemic problem. You know, they've, they, they can't run the ball. You know, so there's that issue.
okay, now they they're 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 dropping balls left and right. You know, so he starts to lose confidence in what guy do I trust? Do I really want to throw to this receiver? The offense has become very predictable, as we know. Like we said, like we were talking about last night, it's become predictable in its predictability. Hey, we're going to throw it every play, and we're also going to throw it right here in this area every play. So that's tough to get any mojo going. Defenses, the Bengals last night, you saw them. I mean, they were playing downhill. It's like they felt very confident in what they were seeing and what the plays were being thrown at them and all that. That allowed them to play aggressive and fast. And, you know, I just think with all those issues, it's it's kind of funneled out of control right now, and they are in a funk. And that's why I was surprised when they threw that touchdown pass. I thought that might snap them out of the funk to where, you know, here he goes. He might get a little confidence back. But, you know, that, that wasn't long-lived. Uh, the Bengals kind of smushed that pretty quickly. Here's the sad reality if he's not injured. And my point is he's not injured, and if he is injured, the Steelers are running a risk of getting whacked at some point because there will be records of the treatment he's receiving for his injury. Two straight weeks not on the injury report. I'll take his word for it. I'll take their word for it because there may be records that would dispute them, and I don't think they're dumb enough to allow that to happen. So if he's not injured, he's just bad. There's no good alternative here. You almost would rather be injured. No, he's not injured. He's old, and he's not as good as he used to be. Sure. This isn't one specific trauma that he has endured that is causing him to be limited in some way. This is an accumulation of years and years and years of football, and this was my concern last year with the elbow injury, yeah. that this is just the beginning of things to come because he's pushing 40, and he's been beaten around yeah. for his entire career because he embraced it for his entire career. This is like Cam Newton at age 38. Even though Ben didn't have the same degree of injuries that Cam no, Newton has sustained, it's the same idea. Big, right. strong guy who gets hit by everyone and keeps going. Right. At some point, you know what? You just can't do it anymore. And we may be reaching the point where Ben Roethlisberger just can't do it anymore physically. So he'd be better off saying he's injured. Than saying, well, I don't know what it is. Well, what it is is you're 38. And here's the contrast. Yeah. He's 38. Ryan Finley's 25. We were marveling at Ryan Finley's ability to keep going last night after he got blown up by a hit that hurt the defender. How many times has he had quarterback get hit? And the defender's the one who's injured, not Ryan Finley. Well, Ryan Finley was moving around like he's made out of that stuff they found at Area 51 that they make the flying saucers out of that's unbreakable. He's, like, completely composed of that because he's 25. Was he smiling? That's why. And then then I couldn't tell. Is he smiling? Is he grimacing? Is he happy? Is he sad? All night long, I was like, I can't tell what the hell this guy is doing. But when when you're 25 – now, I I submit to you that that guy's not getting out of bed until Friday (laughs) once it all kind of – the adrenaline wears off and it kind of soaks in what he's been through – and he's going to be in worse shape at 38 if he keeps taking hits like that. But he's 25. He's young, and he can deal with it. The composition of his body allows him to deal with it. It's that simple. Ben is, to borrow a line that we use from time to time, but we stop short of saying the last word, he is getting too old for this yeah. stuff. Well, Period. Yeah, period, Mike. And too old for this stuff. Like, you know, you, you said it right. He's played a really physical brand of football for a quarterback. I mean, he really did. It's going to catch up. He's not going to be able to be, I don't think, Drew Brees or Tom Brady, you know, because they they played in different offenses. You know, we've talked about it for years. Big Ben had some of the worst pass protection in football, and they still sat in the pocket and threw the ball, and he patted the ball seven times and just got crushed and killed and, you know, ran around the pocket like he was so great at and still made plays. That All of that was amazing. The biggest issue is like, yes, of course the play has declined. You know, he's not going to be able to carry the football team anymore. But the crazy thing is that's how they play. They're playing like, hey, Big Ben, carry us every week. Let's get in the shotgun, let you throw it all around and just carry the squad. He's not capable of doing that. That's why they've got to find more ways. It was encouraging they got the run game going last night. Maybe they can maybe they can build off that and at least just get some semblance to have some play action, make some defenses think of different things. But you're right, Mike. You know, I still think they can win with Big Ben. But at 38, shotgun, we're going to throw it 50 times a game every play. You're not going to win that way. Look at the spray chart here. You know, again, we talk about the predictability of the offense. Just look at everything. Everything is, you know, 10 yards. 10 yards or under on the inside edge of the numbers. 
It's all condensed in there. We saw one touchdown pass down the right sideline, right? Other than that, you really didn't see a whole lot. So, you know, that that's not a formula for a 38-year-old quarterback who can't run and extend plays anymore for them to win football games that way. And it's coming back to bite them in the butt now. They're still out of whack in the run-pass balance, although they've been Definitely. running more. At least they did last night. 18 carries for 84 yards for Benny Snell. And he summed it up very simply. Why was the offense better last night? Because they ran it more. Period. Now, they got to get rid of the jet sweep. The jet sweep's not working. They smoked that thing out. I don't know if it's a formational thing. I don't know what it is. But I haven't seen them pop a jet sweep in no. a while. Well, there's and nothing Chase else Claypool to scare you. Swallowed up. Well, you're right. Like when they see motion right now, you just go, well, be ready for the jet sweep. What what else? Yeah. This is the only time they send motion sometimes and do stuff like that. So that it's it's back into the predictability thing. There's just not enough off of enough right now. You know, you know, plays that start off looking the same but end up being different. I don't see that. I just see shotgun, we're gonna throw it and be quick and you know, be surgical and all that. And between the drops and Big Ben not playing as well and then playing some defenses that understand them, that's it. That's an issue. And you know, Mike, last thing just with, with the you, you brought up the Finley thing. You know, that's also concerning to me with the Steelers, too. I mean, I don't know. Am, am I crazy? Like, I feel like if Joe Burrow played last night, the Bengals win by they win by 28. I mean, Ryan Finley missed some throws in the second half where you go, these guys are going to it's going to be a 50 yard gain. This is, this might be a touchdown. And he missed those throws. You know, th so that's concerning about the Steelers defense, too, to where I go. If that was a real solid backup quarterback or starter right there, they would have got carved up a little last night, too, with some of those plays. So it's it's the whole squad right now to be concerned with in Pittsburgh, and I'm going to be interested to see if they can get the sh you know the the ship righted here the last two weeks of the year. Finley, Finley, thank you for saying ship. Finley <laughs> said, or Finley said, Finley ran it ten times last night and only threw thirteen passes. The the for for as out of whack as the Steelers were toward the pass, the Bengals ran it forty one times and threw it thirteen. Way times. to go! But look, it, it and it worked. Yes, it worked. Uh that's the bottom line. Whether it was Ryan Finley, Brandon Allen, whoever it was, they made it work. And that was a signature victory for a Bengals team that is trying to lay the foundation for something for next year. And look, they may need Ryan Finley or Brandon Allen or someone else in the early part of the year because of right. the extent of the knee injury that Joe Burrow suffered. So they're trying to build something, and that was positive. They need to put that in a bottle and and hold on to it and figure out how to make that happen next year. Maybe they want to play the Steelers week one and have Juju dance on the logo again. So uh, whatever it was, it, it was effective for once. Two 10-1 Cincinnati Bengals. And, hey, look, look they're kind of caught in that weird spot where they're in no position. Not, not that they, number one, need Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. They've got Joe Burrow. And number two, they're not going to sink low enough to get in the top two spots. So that, that whole concept of whether or not they should yeah. have tried to lose, no, I no. think it was better for that franchise right now where they are Establish to throw something. a wrench into the gear for the Steelers. Right. The Steelers have been the bullies of that division forever. And between the Ravens, the Bengals, and the Browns now, they have got their hands full. And we mentioned Ben Roethlisberger's age. This is a point that we made earlier this year when things were going well for the Steelers. Now that they're not going well, it becomes more pronounced. They better have a post-Ben plan at quarterback yeah. or they are going to be the third or fourth place team in that division every year. They got away without having a franchise quarterback for 20 years from Terry Bradshaw to Ben Roethlisberger. It was a revolving door of mediocrity with flashes, flashes like Cordell Stewart. Yeah. Flashes of good. Right. But it would but it would eventually regress. They got away with that because their defense was so damn good. They better have a plan for getting their next quarterback or they are going to be left by the wayside in the AFC North, Chris. No, I mean, well, I mean, uh, agreed, agreed. They, they got to think about it because, you know, like you said, this is Big Ben at 38. We, we don't think it's going to last forever. And the AFC North's got some young studs. Uh, I mean, across the board, forget the quarterbacks, just, you know, teams in general. Uh, there's a lot of young, good football players that where you go – Man, the future in Cleveland, the future in Cincinnati. I mean, you see T. Higgins and what he's doing last night. William Jackson at corner, you know, covering people, doing that. You know, there's a lot of good players in the AFC North. You know, I, the guys on the broadcast last night, they brought it up. I don't know, Mike. AFC North, is it the best division in football right now? I mean, you you got three playoff teams sitting in there right now. I know the Ravens are just on the outside sitting in, but 
Uh, I think it's a very good question. I probably, I think it's probably real. I don't know. They probably are the best division in football right now. It's AFC North versus NFC West. Right. I think we had that debate earlier this year. Shereen Williams and I were arguing about it, and I think she said the AFC North, I think. And you know what? Right now, yes, the AFC North. And when you consider the team playing the worst right now, right now is the Steelers. That's a pretty damn good division. Yeah. But they are guaranteed their playoff spot. The question is, where will they be? Will it be three, four, five, or six? We'll find out over the course of the next 12 days. It adds some intrigue and spice to the final days of the regular season. And adding some intrigue and spice to the offseason, Chris, I know Ben Roethlisberger has said he plans to play multiple additional years. He said before the season he's interested in winning Lombardies with an S. Yeah. He's got two. He wants at least two more. He's got a real question that will be confronting him in the offseason. He's going to have to ask himself, can I still do this? Is it an age thing? And is it going to be any better a year from now? Spoiler alert, it's not. It ain't going to be any better, and there's a chance it's going to be worse. He has a cap number next year in the final year of his current deal of $41.25 million. Whoa. Are you kidding me? $41.25 million. He makes $19 million, so if he would retire, he still leaves behind $22 million. Yeah. If they're going to keep him, they have to extend the contract. It's that Drew Brees thing where right. you keep pushing the reckoning under the cap out to that first year without Brees, whenever it may be. The Steelers are now going to be in that mode. There's going to be a reckoning the first year after Ben. It's going to be $22 million if next year is... The year that he says, see you later. Uh, and if he comes back and doesn't want to sign a contract, doesn't want to extend his contract, they're stuck with $41 million under the cap for Ben next year. And right now, based on how he's playing, he's not you gotta have a plan B. million dollar You got to have a plan charge. B. That's for sure. I think you said that. You got to have a plan B. You got to have something there. Because you, you look at him in 38 and look at, you know, like Tom at 43. I still think Big Ben's got another year or two left in him. I do. But I don't think they can play the way they're playing. That has to be readjusted. And then you look at him compared to Brady. Brady looks like a spring chicken compared to the Big Ben right now. The way he's moving around and hopping and how fresh his arm looks and all of that. You know, so, you know, to your point that you brought up earlier, you know, in the show already that, you know, I, I just think the accumulation of wear and tear and everything and Big Ben not exactly being TB12 all offseason and all that is, is finally catching up a little bit. And, uh, yeah, we're seeing it on the field. But I don't think it's over yet. I'm not going to count him out quite yet. The, the the Big Ben camp doesn't like that comment, but the eyeball test is the, is the prevailing standard. It's clear that Big Ben is not on the TB12 plan, and he's never been. And a, apart from any hits you take, and here's where I here's where I trot out my my uh, MD that I that I don't own. And <laughs> oh, and, please uh, let me hear this. No, it's just the idea of the wear and tear from the fact that you're that big. Just regardless of whether or not you're hit, when you're carrying that much weight on your body, it's going to put extra stress on all the things that at age 38, 39, 40 are going to start feeling the effects of it just sure. from carrying that very large body around all these years on a football field. It's, it, we're seeing it happen. No, you're right. What are they going to do about it? Are they going to get rid of Randy Fickner, the offensive coordinator? And, you know, there's a segment of Steelers fans that they, they activate every year. There's like a bat signal. They activate oh, I've to say it. fire Mike Tomlin, right. which is ludicrous. It's ludicrous. But you're going to hear that. If they lose this week and if they end up losing the division, the anti-Mike Tomlin crowd, there are people in ownership, the minority owners, that there have been movements in the past to get rid of Mike Tomlin. Art Rooney ignores them. But there is a segment of the fan base, as dumb as it is, that will rise up and say we need a new coach. You're, you're right. Every year we hear it. That, that's done. I mean, that, you know, be quiet. I don't know what else to say there. I mean, I want to say something way more harsh, but when you're 11, when you're 11 and 0, they are quiet. Yeah. Well, yeah. But you're right. Well, three straight yeah. losses. They're going to wake up. Well, yeah. It, it, in fact, in my life, it was the opposite when they were 11 and 0 and I didn't put big Ben in my top 10 quarterbacks through the first, you know, 10 weeks of the year. Oh my gosh. I mean, they, they, the, they, the, the Steelers mafia assembled. And that's all I heard for like two weeks. But I haven't heard from them in the last few weeks, Mike, oddly enough. But Mike Tomlin being fired or in a hot seat is insane. I mean, that's insane. He's one of the best coaches in football. What he's done there is amazing. And I don't think that's going to gain any steam, even from those crazy Steeler fans that try to start that this year.
You know, and this is a historic collapse. There's never been a team that started 11 and 0 that didn't win its division. We mentioned the Jets who were 8 and 3 in 2008, Brett Favre's only year with the team it fell apart down the stretch because of that partially torn biceps tendon that he eventually had surgically torn so he could play in Minnesota. Yeah. 1986 Jets started 10 and 0. Right, I remember and that. And it fell apart. Did they not even make the playoffs no, that year? No, they lost playoffs. to the Browns in the double overtime 23-20 uh. game the week before Cleveland lost to Elway in the drive, right? So that was that little thing there. But yeah, at one point the, in New York that year, the Giants were like, you know, eight and two, and the, the, the Jets were 10 and 0. It was pretty unbelievable. Yeah. Well, 2008, the same deal. The Giants had one loss going into right. late November. The Plexico Burris thing happened, yada, yada, yada. Yep. They didn't get past the divisional round, and the Jets didn't even get to the playoffs in 2008. So uh, Steelers. For having such a historic start to the season, be careful what you wish for. It sets the stage potentially for a historic collapse. Speaking of collapses, we're going to take a break. When we return, we're going to take a look at what went wrong this year with the New England Patriots and what do they have to do to get it right for 2021. We'll do that next here on Pro Football Talk Live. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. What if millions of black Americans had been compensated for slavery? Join me, Tremaine Lee, as I explore the untold story of one of the only black Americans who ever was. I talk to his descendants and discuss how reparations forever change their family's trajectory and imagine a reality where reparations are paid to the rest of black America. Into America presents Uncounted Millions, The Power of Reparations, a Black History Month series. New episodes drop Thursdays. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. It's a world record again! Go for the United States! Unbelievable! And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this! How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. Cam Newton with the indecipherable Instagram post. I can't make out what is. All I see is something has been unacceptable and want to be a part of the of the solution. I still don't get the whole alternative font with all the little squiggly lines, but uh, that's It is okay. hard to read. I, I, yeah, uh, he, he had been... Not ambivalent, but evasive when asked not that long ago about whether he wants to be with the Patriots in 2021. And the reaction from a lot of Patriots fans was, it doesn't matter. They're not going to want him. I mean, that's the threshold question. Based on the things that went wrong this year for Cam Newton and the Patriots, is there enough there that was good, Chris, in your estimation, to make the Patriots want to have Cam Newton in year two of the system with the hope that second year will be better or do they look somewhere else for a quarterback? I don't think it's as cut and dry as just like, hey, the offense hasn't looked good. We're six and eight, and we're not gonna we're gonna find another quarterback next year. I don't. I, I I don't get that sense. You know, I think you know one thing. First off, I think there's a legitimate like real respect and love for Cam Newton in the New England building for the way he's handled himself, the leadership he has shown on a daily basis. I think that there is some real genuine respect there and what he's done for the football team in that manner. You know, not easy to take over for Tom Brady and deal with what he's dealing. I think also in New England, they're a very realistic group in my, you know, history of knowing some of those guys and working there. They're not going to think, you know, expect unrealistic things when they know realistically it's hard to accept or get those results with some of the players and team, you know, the team the way it's built this year. So I don't think they're going to, like, hold him to unreal expectations of what they expected. I think they realize there's issues on their football team at the wide receiver position and all that. So I still think there's a chance he comes back. 
And, and as far as New England's concerned, I don't know. You know, the biggest thing is going to be how comfortable do they feel with his knowledge of the offense. I think that's really, to me, going to be the big question. Do they feel like, okay, year two, now we've got the team organized around them a little bit. Can we pile on all the stuff that we like to pile on mentally with all the formations and rules they have in that offense, which I've told you before is as complex as it gets in football. That, to me, is going to be you know, the big question going forward about whether he's there or not. I also wonder, and they're never going to admit to this because they don't admit to anything because they don't say anything, are they exasperated with him? Do they look back at where things went wrong and say the moment he tested positive for COVID-19 is the moment this season started to go off the rails and we had been hammering into these guys every day, every day, every day about what they need to do to avoid it and he didn't listen to us and we're not happy about that and we're not sure that, that yeah. we want to continue the relationship because we're not thrilled about the fact that we – we emphasized how important this is, and he didn't listen to us. So if we can't listen to him on something that important, can we really trust him to be the guy next year and into the future? It's a tough decision, too. And you it have is. all this other heavy lifting that needs to be done to improve the team. No doubt. Are you better off grooming a young guy who's going to begin to come into the front end of his prime as they address these other issues? Because, Chris, I look at this and I say, look at the Bills, look at the Dolphins, don't look at the Jets. And uh, they're going to be – in a tough spot, New sure. England, yeah. for a couple of years, minimum. This isn't a quick fix. Well, I don't think it's as horrible or, you know, this is New England. We know they're in incredible salary cap position next year. I mean, it's the best in football. So they're going to be able to spoil If they'll spend it. Yeah, if, if they'll, they'll spend it. it. You're right. But we got the offensive line settled. We know that. Secondary still got a lot of good pieces there. You know, the big thing is going to be about wide receiver weapons. That has to improve. Stefan Gilmore is getting towards the end of his contract there. I got to look that up. There's a good chance he's not there. One more year. Right. One more year. Okay. But the other – so wide receivers and then defense alignment, that's their biggest issue. I mean, that that's another thing. You know, New England for years and years has been great because – they always have a lot of big people that might not be famous or, you know, somewhat no names, but they can dominate, you know, bigger offensive lines or not dominate, but not be dominated. And they don't have that this year. So that's to me where it's going to start. But you're right, Mike. I mean, I'll throw this out there. The COVID-19 was definitely the downfall. That's where it all started. Not that it was like pretty, but to that point they were playing defense and he was running the ball and making some nice throws here and there. And they were winning football games. But he got COVID-19. They lose to the Chiefs. You know, they kind of outplay the Denver Broncos and make some bad mistakes and lose that football game. And that's where it funneled out of control. I don't think New England will blame him for COVID, especially with the fact that from everything we hear, it was he was working out with the trainer and trying to be better at football and be better in that stuff. So I don't think New England's going to hold it over him as compared to like maybe if he was like, man, he was, you know, at the club or at the bar or, or hanging at some restaurant, like, you know, carelessly that they might have been like, I don't know if we can trust this guy. But like the fact that you hear it was like a workout session and all that, I, I don't think they're going to hold that against him. Why do you need to work out on your own, though, when you have that facility that's pristine, that's subject to all the protocols? So many, that makes no sense. I know. Me. So that many no players do it. Well, so many players do it. And, you know, at a lot of the times, of course, with NFL football teams, you know, it's, it's a lot of players on a football team. The strength and conditioning coach has to set out workouts that kind of work for everybody a little bit. And it, with some of these players in the NFL, as much money as they're making and things like that, sometimes they just want something more specific to – what they want to do, what they need to improve. And there's a lot of people that do that. I mean, Tom Brady did it when he was up there too. It's just, it, it's part of the new world of football. Let me ask you this, Mike. Do you think the other thing that like possibility, maybe knowing New England, maybe they keep Cam Newton. I don't know what their thought is with Jared Stidham. Maybe they draft a quarterback in the second or third round. And maybe they just have him sit behind Cam Newton for another year or so. And develop them. I mean, I, I would think that's a possibility that's on the table as well. I think that makes sense. The question is, what do they feel about the guys who are going to be available? What do we trust, though, about the we, – we don't trust the evaluation of receivers, right? For as great as the Steelers are right. organizationally, and we have to give GM Kevin Colbert the credit there because he's the guy who's who's got the title, they do such a good job 
the Patriots do such a bad job, and it's Bill Belichick, the GM, and his failings making it harder on Bill Belichick, the head coach, and that's been a lingering issue. But without Tom Brady and without a, a quarterback who can play at a really high level and with the losses piling up, it's going to become more and more pronounced. And the other question, too, is how long will the fans – tolerate this yeah they fill up that stadium they're spoiled you've said it before they take for granted the playoff berth if they're just a middle of the pack team next year and the Dolphins are coming to town and pushing them around and the Bills are coming to town and lighting them up on the scoreboard how long will the fans tolerate it and how do you fix it and at what point does the Bill Belichick routine begin to wear out in New England it's one thing to put up with him yeah. when he's delivering championships. If he's not delivering championships, that routine is going to get old very quickly. And speaking of an old routine that we know and love, here's a little Belichick from yesterday when he was on WEEI. Every week, you ask if something's changed. And I well, told well, you, it has answer. changed, though, because you guys have been eliminated, right? So maybe you look at Stidham the last two weeks? Okay. Um, well, no, because I'm just saying because I, I do wonder what that fine line, what the, how do you balance it, right? I mean, it's – I don't know if it's ah. just – because we're watching Cam Newton play, and I, and I think myself and people that watch it, there's a struggle with him moving the football downfield, throwing the football, and we're just looking at – I don't know if it's Stidham's not showing what he needs in practice. To, once you're eliminated, to give him a couple games just to see what he looks like in a game as a starter. Yeah. Yeah, great point, Luke. My goodness. Uh, you know, again, whatever they pay for Bill Belichick to do that, on one hand, it's not enough. And on the other hand, there's never an amount that's enough to justify it. But there's not enough from the radio station's perspective because that is gold. And you know how hard it is to intentionally fall silent on a phone call like that? I mean, I'm surprised they didn't just assume the call dropped. That's what I would have thought. Hello, is he there? Did he drop the it phone? Sound like toilet? he was What's digging through the drawer. Like he was like, "Oh wait, I got to write some <laughs> notes to myself about practice later today." Hold on a second. Oh, that's uh, right. I'm on an interview. You know, I, I, I just don't think, you know, they're into entertaining those questions. I don't think they probably know exactly what they want to do in the off season. And I don't think, in case they bring Cam Newton back or have that in their visions, that they want to start that quarterback controversy talk. One thing I know just with my time with Josh McDaniels in Denver and going in New England, the Patriots are about framing their team. And they believe in getting that general of the ship, a.k.a. Tom Brady or whatever, and now we're going to formulate our team, and this is our lifeline of our team here this year, and they don't want that you know, quarterback conversation. I think they view that as, you know, you know, a, a bad thing. It's something that brings them down. I just feel that that's why he's not going to answer those questions, I don't think, and start that, you know, hoopla around that. It's also a contractual challenge with Cam Newton. He sure. signed only for this year. They're not going to use the franchise tag on him. We have not seen enough to justify no. 26, 27 million for next year. So they're going to have to let him go out into the world and run the risk of someone else signing him if they do want him back unless they can get something done before free agency begins in March. All right, let's take a break. When we return, the former coach of the Colts and the Lions, who have a much better record than uh, John Gruden in recent years, getting an interview with the Houston Texans. We'll talk about that when PFT Live continues right after this. Holiday music. You need a program just to keep up with all the vacancies. Five general manager slots available, three coaching jobs. I don't know how many more are going to pop when the season ends. Presumably the Jaguars will add a coaching vacancy. Presumably the Jets will have a coaching vacancy. I don't know how many more are going to hit. The news from yesterday, first of all, the new vacancy in Carolina. Marty Herney will be out at the end of the season as GM. Not a surprise whatsoever. I'm only surprised it took this long. David Tepper's owned the team for a few years now. He made it clear that he's looking to improve the systems across the board. And Herney's a little too old school for what Tepper's trying to do, Chris. Right. And then the news that Jim Caldwell has interviewed with the Texans for the head coaching vacancy. This is a little cart before the horse. I'm a little nervous about this. I, I continue to look for more and more evidence of dysfunction in an organization that has been quietly commandeered by Jack Easterby. What are they doing interviewing coaches when they don't have a GM? 
That's what I'm confused about. That does not really make sense to me either. I I don't. I mean, it's it's uh, it, it listen at, at the base level, it just makes it. It looks like the Texans are just trying to kind of get the Rooney Rule, you know, exemption out of the way. That's what it looks like to me. You know, at this point, with yeah, no really, you know, rumor of a formulated game plan or anything like that. Hey, Jim Caldwell's in, whatever. We'll see. I don't know. I mean, Jim Caldwell has been wrong so many times. Wronged. I hope I got that right. So many times in his NFL career, it's it's disrespectful. It really is. But uh, yeah, I don't know, and I don't trust the Texans either. You're right, Mike. Here's my sense, and and look, I I haven't talked to Coach Dungey about this, and I don't want to make any unfair assumptions, but Dungey is a big believer in Jim Caldwell, and Dungey's one of the advisors to Cal McNair and the search committee. It very well may be. It was a simple kind of semi-formal, just get to know him. Just get to know him. Just be ready to go for when you have a GM, and maybe he should be a candidate. He's 62-50 and as a head coach. Yeah. And as we pointed out last week, John Gruden is 63-78, and since winning the Super Bowl 18 years ago. So Caldwell has done well. He's taken a team to a Super Bowl. He had the Lions at back-to-back nine and seven years, even though he knew that Bob Quinn, who had been hired as GM, was ready to bring in Matt Patricia. That's what Quinn wanted to do from day one. And in hindsight, he probably should should have just done it from day one instead of keeping Caldwell. But now Caldwell gets an opportunity. I'm just very concerned about what ultimately is going to happen in Houston. Where will the reporting lines be? Does the coach report to the GM? Does the GM report to the coach? They independently report to the owner. Where's Jack East to be in all of this? Those are all questions I would have going forward. The best selling point, though, is they have Deshaun Watson. Definitely. And that's where it's going to have to be all about him, really. I mean, what what are you going to do to continue to surround him with talent? You know, and... Okay, what are you going to do? Is that head coach going to be some offensive genius? Are you going to do an Eric Bieniemy or a Brian Dayball who's a hot name out there like that? Or are you going to go the defensive coach? But if you go the defensive coach, then he better have a plan of, hey, I've got this offensive coordinator waiting or this guy to come in here to be my offensive coordinator. going to be very important, but Watson's going to make that job a lot more appealing. Yeah, and then the offensive coordinator gets hired somewhere else as a head coach next year. That's they the go danger it again. of that. Yeah. Let's take a break. Listen to a little Christmas music. We'll be back with more guests live right after this. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.